Masechet Yoma, Daf 79, we are up to. Um, and our topic, uh, main topic today, is how big is a kotevet? Uh, the minimum amount in order to be chayav for eating on Yom Kippur is uh, more than a kezait. Uh, usually, for most halachot, it's, uh, it's a kezait, because um, if you say don't eat, you're not allowed to eat uh, um, a non-kosher animal. So an act of eating is called a kezait. Uh, anything less than that is not even considered an act of eating. But for Yom Kippur, it's different, and we're going to see why. Um, the Mishnah mentioned uh, how you eat a big date, um, it's equivalent, including its pit. Also, from a simple reading of the Mishnah, it sounds like the pit is included in the volume, a full big date. Um, but the Gemara is going to ask the question because there's more than one way to read that phrase. So with the pit or not. And after we solve that, we're going to say, yes, it is with the pit. We're going to have two opinions about the size of a kotevet compared to a kezait. Um, so, sorry, compared to a kabesa, this is wrong. Um, is it bigger than a kabesa or smaller than a kabesa? So let's see the first topic. When you say that the minimum size to be chayav on Yom Kippur for eating is a date, a big date, is that with the pit or without the pit? So even though a simple reading of the Mishnah sounds like with the pit, um, you could read it otherwise. If you eat a kotevet hagasa, which is equivalent to a moha uchagerinata, maybe a regular date with its pit, right? So you could read it like either or, um, its uh, flesh or its pit. You could read it that way too. Um, if according to that, the pit would be as big as the as the flesh of the of the date. Uh, our dates, usually the pits are smaller, uh, but maybe the dates in those days was, uh, were, were different. Anyway, that's the question, with the pit or without the pit. We're going to answer this question with another question. So Rav who was a generation after Rav Papa, asked the first question, he's like, I have another question, similar one. When you have a bone, a bone of a, a person, which imparts tumah, if it's very, very tiny, then it won't impart tumah, a piece of a bone. But what's the minimum amount? A grain of a barley, kisora. So we know that halacha from the Mishnah. The question is, when you say a barley grain, is that with the husk or without the husk? Is it dried out, which would be smaller? I mean, is it, is it uh, moist, which would be bigger, or dried out, which would be smaller? That was Rav Asher's question, which is similar to Rav Papa's question. Okay, now we're not going to answer either directly, but we are going to answer them indirectly. We're going to ask, how come Rav Asher didn't have a problem with Rav Papa's question? And how come Rav Papa didn't ask Rav Asher's question? It must be, it must be that each one knew the answer to each other's question. So we'll figure from that what the answers are. So Rav Asher wasn't bothered by Rav Papa's question. He didn't ask it. You know why? Mishnah goes out of its way to say a big date, a fat date, it wants to include as much as possible. So, uh, of course, you're going to include the, the pit as well. It wouldn't make sense to make, uh, to say a big date, but not the but not the pit. Like if you want to say, you know, a smaller size, just say a regular date, right? So you're trying to make it as big as possible. I'm still within, within a date. Um, so therefore, it makes sense that it's with the date, and good, that's going to be that's going to be the conclusion. 
Papa didn't bother asking the question of Rabbi Asher. True that Rabbi Asher is after the Papa, but anyway, he didn't ask it first. Why? Because Lacha Shibolet Mikre. If the grain of, uh, of, uh, of barley is moist, then you call it Shibolet, right? You know that word, Shibolet. Um, and so this doesn't say Shibolet, we say Kisora. And also, if it doesn't have a husk, shelobeklipata, ushla mikre. It's called ushla. You know, like Eskimos have uh, 30 words for snow, right? So we just know grain, right? But if you're a farmer, you then you distinguish between each of these different types. So kisora is very specific. It's referring to something that's dried out with the shell. So actually, we have answers to both of those questions. All right, good. So now that we solved that, now we're going to uh, compare it to a besa, which is bigger, a kotevet or a besa. I think if you uh, go to your refrigerator, probably you'd find the egg is bigger than a date. Um, but maybe the smaller eggs, there's bigger dates. So there's two different opinions. Uh, first, we're going to go with um, one, one opinion, the chaba, that a kotevet is bigger than a besa. And then we're going to see that we're going to have a challenge to that from sukkah. And then we're going to see the opposite opinion that is smaller. Uh, that's the opinion of Rav Zavid. We'll have two proofs for it. So just from the outline here, you can see that we prefer the second one, that a kotevet uh, is smaller than a kabesa. It should say kabesa. And the fact they have two proofs for it rather than a challenge is definitely better. Um, okay, so here we go. Amar Rava, Amar Rav Yehuda. First of all, who actually said this? In printed editions, it says Amar Rava, Amar Rav Yehuda. This is a bit strange. Avudah is the second generation Amora. Ava is a fourth generation. So, you know, they could have met. It's, not, it's unusual to skip a generation like that. Also, Ava is going to give one of the answers later on. So he wouldn't be answering his own, you know, uh, discussing his own uh, uh, idea later on. So therefore, in printed editions, Ava is in parentheses. In other words, erase that and put Raba instead with a He. Uh, that could make more sense because Ava is, is a third generation Amora quoting a second generation. If you look in the manuscripts, however, you'll see something very interesting, which is the printed editions have Rava, that's the first three here. You also do have Rava here in a Yemenite manuscript, both two Yemenite manuscripts, um, and, uh, and a couple of other ones. But uh, overwhelmingly, you have Rehaba, not Rava, Rehaba is in one, two, three, four, five, six uh, different manuscripts. So uh, therefore, um, I think that is a, a preferable, uh, uh, preferable reading. Rehaba, and we actually had we have that other other places. Rehaba, a lesser well-known Amora, but he does quote in the name of Rava, in the name of Rav Yehuda. So uh, I think Rehaba is the correct uh, 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 reading here. And but you can see how easily Rehaba and Rava could uh, almost all the same letters. All right. So Amar Rehaba, Amar Rav Yehuda. A fat date is bigger than an egg. Why is that the shiur for Yom Kippur? Because the rabbis estimated that if you eat a date's worth of food, then you are then your mind is settled. And less than that, your mind is not settled. What's the idea of not eating on Yom Kippur? It should be inui, it should be an affliction. So if you eat just a kezait, right, just an olive's worth, so you uh, you fulfilled eating something, right, and therefore if you eat, you know, pig, a kezait is you you considered eating. But if you just eat a kezait, even though you did an act of eating, you're not yet satiated 
you're not even, you, you know, you're not, your mind is not even settled. You're still hungry. So even if uh, someone would eat a kezayit, it would still feel affliction. It would still be annoyed. When does it leave the area of annoy? Only when you have a bigger amount, a date's worth. According to this, even bigger than a kezayit, uh, than a kabesa. And so that's why uh, it's only once you feel, it should be less than totally satiated. It's like, you know, somehow, somewhere in the middle of the meal, if you had to leave, you wouldn't feel hungry anymore. Even though you would eat more, you would want to eat more. So that's the rabbi said, that is that amount is a kotebet Okay, good. So that's that's Rechava's uh, opinion. And it's actually bigger than a kabesa. Kabesa, we usually estimate as about a whole pita. Uh, Kezayit is half a pita. So we're saying this is even more. Okay, metibe, we have a challenge to this. This is a Mishnah in Masechet Sukkah. Uh, it says a story that uh, the uh, servants brought to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai uh, some a taste of the of the of the dish that was being cooked. Only a taste. So if it's on Sukkot and you're only tasting a little bit, you shouldn't have to go to a Sukkah. And to the Bangam they brought him two dates. Sounds like regular dates and a pitcher of water. And both of these rabbis said, bring it up to the sukkah. Point is, they didn't have to, they're machmid on themselves, even though it was just a little taste or just a couple of dates and water. That's not a whole meal, not bread, it's not, you know, it's not mezonot even. Um, and, so, and yet they said, bring it up to the sukkah because they wanted to be machmid to eat everything in the sukkah. And that's what the Baraita says about that, the Tanya Allah. They want halacha was not so, but they want to be machmir. We learn from this. It's a nice idea. You should try to eat everything in the in the sukkah. You don't absolutely have to. Okay, so far we see that two kotavot is less than the shiur that is required in the sukkah. Okay, hold on to that data point, and then we're going to continue the Mishnah. On the other hand, Rabbi Sadok, he was mekel on himself. They brought him a little less than the kabesa. You know, it's like a, a pita bread. When uh, when you have put falafel, they cut off the top. And, right? You have just a little bit less than a, than a, a besa. And uh, accordingly, you don't have to wash your hands. That's halacha l'maaseh today. You don't have to do the tilat yadayim if you're eating less than the kabesa. So he happened to have hold it with the mapa. This reminds us of a different halacha that is also applicable. If you can't find water anywhere to wash, you can hold it in a, in, in a kerchief, not to touch it. Seems in this case, he actually didn't have to wash. He didn't really have to use, he used the mapa for cleanliness, not even. So anyway, the bottom line is, it was less than the shiur that he would wash for. And he ate it outside the sukkah, and he didn't say berkat This is not halacha lamase. We say berkat for a kezayi. Um, but he was of the opinion, which we'll see, that we only say Berkat for a Kabesa. Okay, anyway, the point is that he had a little bit less than a Kabesa, and that was less than the Shi'ur of a Sukkah, uh, of eating in Sukkah. So therefore, if a Kabesa is defined as the minimum Shi'ur to eat in the Sukkah, and in the first story, uh, Rabban Gamliel had two Kotavot and ate it outside the Sukkah, so for sure two Kotavot, is less than a kabesa because a kabesa is is the value is the much you have to you have to eat in the sukkah. Two kotavot, you don't have to eat in the sukkah. Yeah, but kotavot, it, it was a date that they brought him. 
Okay, good. Bread. That's going to be we're going that's going to be the next uh, the second answer. Good. Okay. Uh, good, yeah, good. Good thinking. Correct. Okay. So first, let's finish the question. Then we're going to get we're going to have three answers. So you see that besa is the minimum amount that requires a sukkah. If you think that one fat date is bigger than an egg. Then two kotabot, two, two regular size kotabot without their dates. That's true. It's regular size and without their dates, but it's two of them. So shouldn't all the more so that be bigger than one fat date? And um, and you see that in this Mishnah, it's less than a kabesa. So therefore, it makes more sense that one fat date, even with its pit, is less than the besa and would not require sukkah. A besa would require sukkah. So we're looking at the lohavu kabesa. Kotevet agasa vegarinatam yavayit teramek kabesa. Right? Does it make sense that one one date, even with its pit, should be more the besa? If two dates, regular dates without the pits, are less than the besa. So okay, that's the question. Answer number one. Amar beirmiya in shedechotabot belogarinatan lohavu kabesa. In fact, you're right. Two dates. Regular size dates without the pit are as uh, less than a besa. And one fat date with the pit is more. So there's a big discrepancy between a big date and a regular date. And the pit evidently takes up a lot of space. And we know that from another source. There's a, there's a folk, folk saying. Two calves, two measurements of dates is equivalent to one calf and even more of pits. So when you go and buy a pound of dates, you're getting even you know more than half a pound of pits. Uh, it could be this is an exaggeration, the folks saying, but the point is, you know, don't think when you're buying this many dates, you're really gonna get that much out of it, you know. So it's uh, uh, better check the price, uh, what you're paying for. Okay, so that's the first uh, first resolution. Second answer, that's your answer, Avi, right? Because those were fruits. Uh, you see, this, Rava says this here. So that's why I think the beforehand was not Rava. Um, and so this is the reason because Rabangamle was eating fruit, and fruit does not require a sukkah, right? So you could even say that it's more than a kabesa. The story of Rabbi Sadok was he was eating bread, so it had to be less than the kabesa. He could eat a whole bowl of fruit. What a matter. Fruit does not require a sukkah. Okay, now we're going to go into a tangent about this. Does fruit require eating in a sukkah? Sometimes we were learning Torah. It was on Sukkot with Sabi Elazar ben Shemua, and the servants brought for us Te'enim, Anavim. They brought different fruits, figs and grapes, and we ate them in a temporary way um, outside the Sukkah. We didn't want to, it was too disruptive. We were learning inside, and we didn't want to have to go to the Sukkah. So what do we learn from here? Achilat Arayim, Achilat Ke'eba'la, only because it was a temporary eating. In other words, it's it stacking. A little bit here and there, a little, uh, a small amount of fruit. But if in fact we sat and ate a lot of fruit, then we would have to eat it in the sukkah. So this is against Rava. Rava said that fruit, even if it's more than a besa, you don't have to eat it in the sukkah. And now we have a source that says fruit, 
you um, do have to eat it in the sukkah if you're eating a lot of it. Um, so two answers. Answer number one is that if you're eating fruit, it's like achilat aray all the time. Fruit, by definition, is a snack. You can't make a whole meal out of fruit. There are fruitarians. I think Gandhi was a fruitarian, right? But, uh, you know, he, I don't think he's a model of what a regular meal is like. Um, so that's one answer. That's what he meant. He meant that we ate them achilat aray because fruit is always achilat aray. Or, or you could say, we ate it as a fixed meal. We ate a lot of it. And the aray was going on bread. We ate bread together with the fruit. Um, but the bread was a side, side point just to uh, dampen the, the taste and the sweetness of the fruit. And so since we had bread, but the bread was very only a little bit of bread, even though we had a lot of fruit, we, don't, we, didn't, uh, we ate it outside the sukkah. Either way, the point is that fruit does not count. And just because you have the word achilat aray in this story is not a proof that if it was keba, no, there's no such thing as achilat keba. Um, or even if it was achilat keba, you, you could eat it outside the sukkah. Okay, so that's an important halakha that we learned as a tangent, um, that you can uh, eat fruit outside the sukkah. Still on that tangent, another source for that, lema misayea le, a proof, yasa. So this is a proof that fruit um, is, um, uh, this supports about that you can eat fruit outside. Um, here's the, because it says, um, there's halakha, Rabbi Eliezer says, you have to eat two meals a day in the sukkah, 14 meals altogether on sukkah. Now, what if you had a, a meal and you only ate a little bread um, and you have the, some dessert? So he says, if you finish off the meal with targima, which means sweets, dessert, that's fine. So what's the proof from here? If you think that fruit is requires sukkah, then instead of this word targima, which means desserts, and desserts may, maybe means uh, uh, you know pies or cookies, whatever. Um, so if you think that fruit is sufficient, he should have just said fruit because that's what people usually eat for, for dessert. And from the fact that it doesn't say fruit, it means that if you had a little bread and even lots of fruit for dessert, it would not count as a meal. So you see that fruit um, is, can't, is does not require a sukkah. Um, so that's the proof. Wait a second. Perot. No, maybe targima actually means perot. And then it would be the opposite that perot can be part of the meal and therefore do require a sukkah. Or maybe it's it was talking about a place where fruit wasn't common. So for dessert, they didn't have fruit. They had, uh, had cakes. Um, and that's why it mentioned tergima. Uh, but uh, in a place where there is fruit and people like fruit, then it would be fruit also. So anyway, there's no proof from here that you can eat fruit outside the sukkah. There's no disproof either. Um, so that's the conclusion. You can, you can, you may eat fruit outside the sukkah. Okay. Um, good. So that's all. Okay. So we that's uh, that's all. A. We had a challenge from Sukan. We had two answers to that, and so we concluded that. So we did um, answer the challenges, but still, you know, it is challenged. They wouldn't have proof for it. Now we're going to see the other opinion that a ketevet is actually smaller than a kabesa, and this is Rav Zevid Amar Ketevet Hagasa Shemru Kabesa. A kotebet is actually smaller than a besan. This, this makes more sense, right? That an olive would be the smallest, and then a date, and then an egg. 
that that would be the order. And here's proof number one. Bet Shammai Omadim Seor Bekezait Hamet Bekakotebet. There's a Mishnah in Maseh in, uh, in Pesachim um, that says that Seor, uh, a starter dough, sourdough, um, that the minimum amount to be Chayav, if you have it, is Kezait, small amount. Hametz is a Kotebet. That's Bet Shammai's opinion. So he has a different amount. The Torah says both. The Torah says that you can't have Seor. It also says you can't have Hametz. But Hametz would be a bigger amount. Because a chametz is less chametz than seod, right? Seod is stronger, so it's more concentrated, so it'll be a smaller amount. So on that Mishnah, the Gemara says, This is Gemara quoting the Gemara from Pesach. What's the explanation for seod? Because really, the Torah could have said, don't have chametz. And you don't have to write that you can't have seod. Because all the more so, I would know if I'm not allowed to have any chametz around, um, which is not very strong, and that I'm prohibited in a kezayit. So then, seor, starter though, which is much stronger, could even make other things chametz, all the more so. So I wouldn't have to say if they were both the same shiur. But I wouldn't have to mention both of them. From the fact the Torah mentions them separately, it means they are a different minimum amount. And for Seor, since it's more concentrated, even just a Kezayit, you are liable. Whereas for Hametz, which is less concentrated, it's a Kotebet. Okay, this is very good because. I mean, if you want to learn something about a kotebet, let's see what other halakhot in Torah um, the kotebet is related to. Now, um, so now we're still looking for a proof that a kotebet is smaller than a kabesa. So here's the proof. If you think that a fat, a fat date is bigger than an egg, Bet Shammai's whole reasoning is that the smallest amount is seor, that's kezayit. Hamet has to be something bigger than that. So just go one step bigger. So if a besa was uh, smaller than a date, then he would have said a besa because that's the next smallest. But he didn't say that. He said uh, seor, the next biggest amount is a date size. So you see, therefore, that a date must be smaller than an egg. Uh, and even if you tell me they're the same size, Kotebet uh, and Besa are the same size, nevertheless, right, Besa? It's the more common one that's uh, usually used. Therefore, the next highest, the next smallest size after a Kezayit has to be a Kotebet, and that's why Bet Shammai uh, picked it. Okay, that's a very nice proof. Um, now we're going to challenge it. Mimai, deal male olam emalach kotebetagasa shameru, yetera me kabesa, astama kabesa. Maybe the fat date is in fact bigger than the besa, and a regular date is, is like a besa. And for Yom Kippur, we need the fat date, and that's what we were talking about this whole time. And so Betchamai is only talking about a regular size date. Which is the same as a besa. Or maybe in fact they are the same. 
uh, size. A fat date and an egg, they are the same size. And Bet Shammai, he could have picked the uh, egg. He picked the date. I don't know. He likes dates better than eggs. So right? it doesn't matter. So this is, um, so we rejected this proof. So we're going to find a second proof for Rav Zavid. Ela mehacha. Ad kama mezaminin. Ad kezayit ever to be made. It is a Mishnah in Masechet Berachot. What's the minimum amount um, that a person needs to eat to join in a zimun? Right? If you want to join a zimun, the bimeir says kezayit. If you had a kezayit, you can join in, in a zimun. If less than a kezayit, there's only two people there and you're the third one, then you can't join in the zimun. Rabbi Uda Ahmed, ad kabesa. Rabbi Uda says to join into a zimun, you have to need, you need a kabesa. And this would be also the, the equivalent requirement to say for Kat Mazon. Right? Rabbi Meir would say a kezayit to say Kat Mazon. That's our halacha. Rabbi Uda says kabesa. Remember Rabbi Sadok? He must have, he agreed, or the Biodah agreed with him. Um, okay, Bimai Kami Palge, what's the essence of their machloket? Bimeir Sabal Vachata, Zo Achila, Besabata, Zo Shetia. So when it says, Pasuk says, Vachata, Besabata, Uberachta, so that's the source for Berkata Mazon. So you only do Berachta, you only say Berkata Mazon after you do Achila and Sibia. So what do those two terms refer to? So vachata, this is eating. He says sabata, that refers to drinking. So according to the meir, you have to eat and drink, and then you can say berkat mazon. The eating, the universal definition of eating is kezayit. So therefore, as long as you had a kezayit and drank something, that's interesting, because you have to make sure to drink something too with the meal, then you say berkat mazon. You have to eat enough to be satiated. He thinks that both terms are referring to eating. So you have to eat more. How much is eating until you're satiated? That's a kabesa, right? A full pita, a full, full, whole falafel. Have a falafel, you're still hungry. Okay. Here's the proof now. Now, if you think that a big date, uh, which they mentioned regarding Yom Kippur, is bigger than a kabesa, so if a kabesa makes someone full, says all the more so it makes it satisfies one mind, one's mind. Um, in other words, the minimum, the, the the definition for Yom Kippur does, is more than just in eating, right? A kezayit would just be the definition of eating. It has to be enough that you're not afflicted anymore. Well, not being afflicted, it should be less than feeling satiated. So if a, if a kabesa is feeling satiated, that's what we just said, right? According to the Biuda, and the, the fat date has to be less than being satiated, enough that your mind is not afflicted anymore. So this uh, is a very good proof that. And therefore, we conclude that in fact, a, a fat date is less than an egg. An egg is enough to make one satiated, um, and a, a date's worth um, uh, uh, settles one mind, one's mind. So that you don't feel afflicted anymore. If you eat that much on Yom Kippur, then you violate and one is liable. Anything less than that, not be chayav, mede, or Amen. Amen.